I guess for that, you know, a teacher has to be really clear on their values, you know, and what, what it is that they want to leave behind in their students. And if this is not, if teacher has not defined this very well, mm. then it's just going to go back to default settings, you know, yeah. which is whatever the school system wants, which is just more content and, you know, more further memorization, further retaining of, you know, some information. Um, Hello, you are listening to the Courage to Create podcast, the show that our oldest son, who is a high school junior, talks about education. If you are new to the show, you can check out the introduction episode where I explain why I decided to start this project. Before we get started, I just want to comment one thing about our audio quality for this episode. A house is currently undergoing a major remodel. And you hear some noise in the background, which was particularly noticeable at the first section. So, this might affect your listening experience, and I apologize. We will be more careful next time. In this episode, Isamu talked about his Courage Day trip to New York, an exhibition of the fashion project, which was a fashion show. Also, he pondered about the economy and what role teachers and schools should play. Welcome everyone to this week's episode. This week has been a, a very eventful and long one,、um, but luckily,、uh, we, a lot is over now. And so, first of all, the New York trip, New York advisory trip, a three night, four day、uh, excursion,、um, which is under the guise of a college. Uh, college day trip.、Um, however, we mostly did more touristy uh, activities uh, happened in, uh, in, over the weekend, and that was yeah, really fun.、Um, we got to, as a group of 23 people, 21 students, and two adults, we all, we all made it to New York.、Um, we rode the subway to our hotel in Lower Manhattan. We visited some colleges, including NYU and Columbia University. We got to hear a bunch of you know, guided tours、um, and just walk around New York for many hours a day,、um, visiting the sites, going to Central Park. I went to the Central Zoo.、Uh, we also got to go to, we got to、um, cross the Brooklyn Bridge, I think they call it.、Um, and then we got to see a, a Brooklyn Nets game,、uh, which is a basketball game,、um, which was really fun. And overall, yeah, it was just it was a very exciting and communal bonding trip. And most of all, I was struck by just the contrast New York City is to San Diego. And, you know, the, the huge, huge skyscrapers and tall buildings and people just everywhere、um, and going every which way. It was just a completely different, different experience. And yeah, it really shifted my perspective on what the world is like outside of.、Uh, My hometown. Anyway, moving on,、uh, after we got back, we actually got back on two or a Monday night. So we missed a day of school.、Um, and this week was actually exhibition,、um, exhibition week. So on Thursday, we got to produce, perform our, our fashion runway show,、um, which was exciting.、Um, pretty much all week, we were just rehearsing, doing dress rehearsals, final touches, polishing, you know. Our,、uh, our walks and our costumes、um, or outfits. And 
yeah, that was that was incredibly fun. Um, I think you know exhibition is the culmination of a, an entire project, and I, I would say because this was a full presentation in the theater to the entire school, the stakes are much higher. Um, and I would say this is one of the more epic projects, you know, at High Tech High. Um, and so I was, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun, even though I was very tired in the backstage because uh, I was the last group to go. And so always there was a lot of waiting around. Um, but overall, it was a great experience. I'm happy with the result. And I would say it's a fairly successful uh, project overall. So uh, that's it for this week in terms of just the high-level overview of um, events. Now, getting back to the more philosophical realm of education, um, there's a couple of things that I, has been on my mind lately in terms of you know what schools are uh, in context of our society. And... The idea that stood out to me was education as a differentiator. And what, my, what I mean by this is if we look at the economy and if you look at the class structure of our capitalistic society, different people get paid different amounts because of the different values they add to society or to whatever job organization they're a part of. And so typically people who who have more skills, are more knowledgeable in a certain area, you know, have managing abilities, whatnot, um, you know, are in executive positions, get paid, you know, higher amounts of money. And that's correlated to their credentials or academic success to a large degree. And so in that sense, you know, education is a way of determining, you know, which people will get paid more in the future or which people will get will secure better jobs, quote unquote, from a monetary standpoint. and. In that way, education can be viewed as like a differentiator of these students. You're essentially taking a group of, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of kids every year and you're determining, you know, okay, based on your academic abilities, based on your test scores, based on your grades, which schools do you land, which colleges do you get into? And then based on that, you know, you have varying levels of credentials and prestige associated with those. And then that by and large determines what kind of jobs you land, who who hires you, um, what companies you can work for. And then, you know, eventually that trickles down to, you know, how much money you get paid and how financially successful uh, you, you can be in life. And I, I this is neither good nor bad it is just the reality of how our civilization functions um and out of this you know one thought experiment i've had was can we have a functioning economy where everyone is financially secure and this doesn't mean um that everyone is will receive equal amounts of pay but rather can we still have the bell curve of you know well it's not really a bell curve actually it's it's actually very skewed. However, can we have sort of a semi-normal distribution of income such that we do still have class, we still have middle class and an elite class of individuals, yet can we get rid of the bottom 10, 15% of people who don't have enough money to sustain themselves uh, independently? In other words, can we get rid of people living below the poverty line such that all of them are lifted into the middle class such that they are all able to be financially secure um, themselves 
And is this even possible? Like, can we still have a functioning economy where we don't have a poor class, but rather we only have, you know, a middle class and then an elite class or a higher class? Um, I don't know the answer to this, um, but it was just one thought experiment. And really, I think what I'm getting to the core at is, yes, education is a differentiator or traditionally the traditional values of you know, education is such that you can distinguish, you know, which people have more abilities than others, right? However, I would say this is like kind of a brutalist or sort of ruthless system, so to speak, because um, it's almost as if like you are already setting people up or some people up for failure in the sense that you are setting some people up for success, right? Like, yes, if you're talented enough, if you're intelligent enough, you can go to great places. And especially in America, you know, if you can push push higher, then you will go very far in life. Yet by doing so, by making that, you know, status differentiator, that hierarchy, you're guaranteeing that others will quote unquote fail. Others will be left behind. And I really want to find a way such that that does not happen, such that we don't have, you know, a set of students who be just because they do low on you know the academic score or maybe they don't even graduate high school you know are they still going to be left behind in life because honestly that's you know if everyone is financially secure it is a win-win for everybody regardless of how how much money you have whether you're a rich person or a poor person if everyone is financially secure, it benefits the entirety of society. It, it will reduce crime. It will, it, it will increase people's, you know, fulfillment in life, people's happiness, right? Like, a whole, I can only see upside to everyone being financially secure. Of course, the challenges to get there is that can we actually structure our economy so that we, you know, we can actually pay every person uh, the the uh, the ju- ju- even the just the bare minimum to such that they can get by in wherever they live. And on one hand, my optimistic side says, I hope that you know someday we can restructure you know our economy such that we can handle that. But pessimistically, I'm saying, unfortunately, no. We have a t- way too many people um, in a single space. There are not enough job openings out there. And even if there are jobs, um, like essentially, labor is too cheap because of the volume of people we have and people and you know businesses can afford or businesses can go by paying people uh not enough money to be financially secure um and still we we have you know a world where a majority of you know citizens are not you know are not doing well financially speaking um and so i think all of this you know is it, it's an open-ended question, you know, like, there's no right answer in this regard, but I think the high-level takeaway from this is that education is strongly, strongly tied to the economy, and in no world can you separate those two things, and yet oftentimes, you know, people don't usually think of, you know, job training from day one, and I think... I think there maybe is sort of a disconnect in such that like education is a different bucket than the economy. And certainly like, you know, government, there's a department of education, which is separate from, you know, the branch of government that deals with, you know, the, the economy. But I, I feel like, you know, on a macro scale, there is a strong, strong connection between our education systems, uh, especially higher ed and what and what happens uh, in, the, in the job community. And yeah, there's just something to... Um, focus on or pay attention to.
So this talk about the inextricable link between education and the economy brings up a really insightful and nuanced point, which is, is the point of school to teach kids how to make money? And I think this comes back to a more fundamental philosophy of what does society pay for, right? And and this is, you know, a, a clearly overgeneralization, but the trend seems to say that society values people who are in the business space, in the finance space, in the in the STEM field, yeah, right? Engineering, computer science, blah, blah. in that in that areas, and we don't seem to regard literature or art, art as such high value. But you know, even saying that, art does is a very lucrative industry if you're you know the top point zero zero one percent, right? Or even music, right? If you're the top, you know. Or you know the top artists uh, are on the billboard of Spotify or whatever. You know you you are getting lots and lots of money, and like the entertainment industry, for example. Yeah. That's a highly lucrative area, right? Oh, the so, movies and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, so. so it's not that that those fields aren't you know incredibly valuable. They are, but I guess there is a disconnect between you know the money. That those things generate, and what incoming or what graduating high schoolers perceive to be the money-making careers, and so, and I don't know if this is true, but I just feel there's like a tendency for you know the top top percentage of students typically go into STEM fields, right? Typically go into fields like engineering or business. I mean, that's just what I've, what I've observed. Well, it's a chicken and the egg um, dynamic because on the one hand, there's a reason why these are highly paid jobs because it is actually difficult to go into those fields. You have to have a certain level of you know, cognitive uh, ability and you know, discipline to think um, uh, you know, in those ways and to study uh, in, those, in those fields. And so on the one hand, you know, people who do like, like STEM is difficult is what I'm trying to say. And there's a reason why that's highly valued by society because not everyone does become an engineer because it's actually a, a difficult field to go into. But then on the other hand, it's like you have, but me saying that kind of implies that, okay, relative to what? Does that mean going to the humanities is more difficult? And that's not true at all, but Difficult in what sense? Like making career out of it? Oh well, no, no, just the pure content itself. Oh, studying. Yeah, like math, math, like advanced mathematics, advanced science. You know, like that's that's not an easy job. You have to have you know years of experience and rigor and 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 lots of studying in order to learn all that. Which is why usually those careers are semi or more lucrative than others. Um, which is what makes it more valuable and what makes it why you know there's less people and so i actually don't know uh, you know in order for us to talk knowledgeably about, knowledgeably about this we have to actually you know look at the data look at the statistics and the trends and whatnot which i just currently don't have at all um but but i think like even in the humanities field and i don't even know if that's a proper term there's you know there's a 
we're clearly overgeneralizing everything here, but like even in you know that field, if you are the top one percent, then yes, you are going to get paid well, right? But does that mean everything below that is just like medium, mediocre, like good, good to excellent area? Well, but you were talking about financially secure, not really like rich or top percent, even right. So can most everybody, at least like those who went to college, even if you didn't go to college, you're saying, could they? Could there be a society where everybody can get paid enough? I don't know. But that's what you're striving for, or that's what you hold like ideal. Right. Okay. So the question is like, can everyone be rewarded for your own uniqueness when uniqueness, sort of by definition, means that some are different than others? Because I think you know, there. The reason I'm struggling to articulate is I think a limitation of the English language in the sense that, and you know, this I can't really perceive of anything in a nuanced way. Because it immediately falls into a binary mode、mm. of thinking.、Okay. It's like it's like either someone's better than someone else, right? I don't have the language. I literally don't have the words to articulate anything other than that. I can't think in you know more more spectrums, more dimensions, and like yeah, like when I talk about the concept of status or when I talk about you know socioeconomic security, right? That that's already implying there's just almost like a single singular line, and you're somewhere on that line.、Mm. But someone's always in front of someone else, right? But what I'm trying to, what the economy that I'm trying to, the、uh, or what I'm sort of talking about, the ideal economy would be one where it's not just a simple line, but it's you know it's not just it's not only two D, it's three D or even four D, and in the sense that. We can have people who are celebrated for their uniqueness, but not lag behind financially speaking, right? Yeah. So even if your cognitive abilities isn't strong in you know the mathematical department, does it? Can you still get paid the same or you know amount, or if not more, even if you you have different you know you you have a different passion for another field, and I don't know. I think honestly. It's just too the systems built to handle millions and billions of people. You know, our our society is like that, right? And because of that, you know, you're still you're always gonna have people who fall beneath the cracks, and that just might be an un- an unfortunate byproduct of you know the civilization we've created. But yeah, I think. I mean, all of this is very,、uh, uh, I guess, a cynical view of society. But just to ground it back into, you know, wh- okay, what what's the role teachers have, you know, you know, in this space? I think, yeah, just going back to this idea of teachers should try to set the kids up for success. You know, try to give them the best shot they have at life, right? In、yeah. whatever way that looks like that. And it goes back to the idea of playing the game because, yes, if we're just looking through it through the lens of can you succeed within the system we've set up for you, then 
then yes, it makes sense for teachers to teach you test scores because that translates to getting you know better um, better high school transcripts, which translates to having a higher chance of getting into a prestigious university, which increases someone's chances of getting and securing a good a good job and having a having a a, a good career and whatnot. And so, yeah, on one hand, that's kind of a, a one perception to look at. But on the other hand, you know, where did this project-based learning come out of? It's it's really saying, you know, we are going to recognize you as individual humans and we're going to recognize you for the unique person you are and we're going to try to foster those create that creativity uh, in the best way we can. Like if everybody knows what makes them, what their definition of success is. Well, that's the thing. Everyone doesn't know because how can you know at 17 or 18? And it like... And it's not a matter of knowing or not. Again, this goes back to the binary concept, which is like, it's not like, you know, one day or through one experience, you'll figure out exactly what you want to do in life. It's a constantly evolving idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. But then what can school do? What can teacher do? Is it to throw anything at them to see what sticks? Yeah. Maybe it's just like becoming better thinkers. Mm. Right. And I mean, this goes back to an anecdote that, you know, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about in one of a video or something, but it's like, there are two candidates for this architecture job. The one says, or uh, the employer asks the two candidates, you know, what's the height of uh, the building we're in? And one of them responds, oh, it's exactly 150.1 meters. Yeah because he's memorized all the heights of the buildings uh, on this on this particular block. Yeah. And the other one um, does not know the height, but they go outside, they measure the shadow, and they and they measure their height and their shadow. Or they measure the shadow of the building, and they measure the shadow of their, their person and yeah. the height of that. Okay. And by using ratios and a bit of um, mathematics, they determine that it's roughly 100 and... 50 meters or something like that yeah. and uh, in this story the employer decides to hire the person who is able to use ratios to figure out the approximate height even though the other candidate got the more correct answer more precise answer and the reason being is because the second candidate knew how to think not what you think and that perhaps is what's the, the overview idea you know like a, that's that's a good philosophy that's a good like anecdote to begin on but it's really hard for a teacher to teach everything they need to just based on that, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, that's you set up such a perfect scenario in that story, but <laughs> in real life, it's much more messy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like it's every day, you know, it, like who knows what exactly, you know, what what kind of conversations transpire in a classroom or between students or between the teachers and students, right? It's like a lot of that's unpredictable. And I, I guess... I guess for that, you know, a teacher has to be really clear on their values, you know, and what, what it is that they want to leave behind in their students. And if this is not, if, if a teacher has not defined this very well, mm. then it's just going to go back to default settings, you know, yeah. which is whatever the school system wants, which is just more content and, you know, more further memorization, further retaining of, you know, some information, um, and yeah, I think 
one thing I was thinking is like the CEO search for our school is so rigorous, right? Yeah. It's like we've had an interim for, you know, who knows how many months. And then we had these two candidates who have already gone through, you know, an inordinate amount of, you know, steps and processes to get to that point. And then the board in their final say determined that, you know, these two candidates were both not uh, adequate enough for the job of CEO. Like, imagine if we put that same level of rigor to our teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, in selection of teachers. Yeah. How different would our school system be, you know? Because honestly, at this point, it's, it's, do you have a bachelor's degree, right? Come do a bit of interviews with us. We actually have something called a bonanza, which is where students can experience, you know, a lesson for themselves of these n- incoming teachers. And give feedback, right? And, yeah, give feedback. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's like, just go through those and then, you know, eventually someone will get the job, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, it's hard to determine if this is working enough, right? Because... Yes, you can see it as a success because we have teachers in the positions, but then, like, are we doing the quality control of these teachers? Are we, like, continually looking back and revising and, you know, seeing where we can improve and, you know, whatnot? And, yeah, it it just, yeah, it was an interesting thought experiment of, you know, if we can do that work. And, honestly, it's not even practical because if we did apply the same level of rigor to the selection of teachers, no one would even attempt to try to go into those jobs right i think part of you know like at this point especially in the current state of you know our teacher shortage right like we we can't even be doing selection of high quality teachers or not we we we're literally asking for anybody at this point to yeah. come into the profession yeah. um and so that, that you know does that necessarily correlate with more um low quality teachers uh, i i wouldn't immediately say so but you know it just means that education is a, a field where it is just not invested in enough and that i think the repercussions of that will will be seen you know 20 30 40 years from now but again who knows it's hard, it's hard to say yeah all right signing off i hope you enjoyed this episode despite some unintended background noise We received some comments and more questions after the last episode, and we plan to address them in the coming episodes. Please keep them coming, and also, if you have some suggestions about resources, about anything related to what's been discussed in this podcast, let us know. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.